latest edition of let me tell you something and we're coming towards a little mini seven episode arc much like the harry potter novels but don't worry we're not gonna break the final episode into two chunks to take more money from you um by us i of <laughs> course mean your co-host Lorcan mullen and my co-host simon cross uh because simon we are doing the Mecca for five-star matches of recent years. It's the 2017 edition of... The 2018 edition, I apologise, of the G1 Climax. What is the first of the seven matches of that series that we will be covering today? Well, not only is it the first of the seven matches we cover, but it's the first match in the B block. Uh, well, it's the main event of the first yeah, night of action yeah, yeah, in, in B Block, I should say. So like I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, but it is Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito. They're coming out the blocks hot and heavy here. Yep, the IWGP heavyweight champion Kenny Omega, one of his first big matches since winning that title only a couple of months earlier in our uh, previous to the previous episode. And it's fair to say that he seems very happy and confident with himself because this seems like a return to more of the old bullet club Kenny Omega with the facial expressions and the exaggerated uh, nature and just the general cockiness and arrogance of a man that thinks that he's the best in the world and that he has the belt to prove it at this point. Yeah, and it's weird because like Naito just seems very annoyed at uh, Omega's behaviour and Omega's behaviour is a li- not it's not tranquilo but it's a little bit Naito-esque Omega in terms of he's obviously trying to like get under the skin of his opponent well he probably knows that because Omega beat the guy that Naito couldn't the guy that everyone thought Naito was destined to beat at Wrestle Kingdom he failed to I think you mean Destino well yeah but he, he hit the Destino and it wasn't enough um, whereas Omega hit his one winged angel and that finished him off so, obviously, not only is this um, one of Kenny Omega's first big matches, this is also the third match of a G1 Climax trilogy, again, we love to say it, but whereas the first match of 2016 was the blocks, uh, the B-Block Decider, and the Kenny Omega won, and the second match was the 2017 final that Tetsuya Naito won, this one is essentially the pace setter. It's a match that might not have... That higher consequence necessarily going forward. The person who loses this match is not necessarily going to lose the tournament or finish behind the winner. Yeah, it's not early enough in the season for it to be, um, well, the uh, G1 equivalent of a six-pointer. Yeah. It's uh, the early, early form. It's an August fixture in the Premier League, basically. Yeah, and so that makes you wonder what, what approach do the wrestlers have going into this? Are they... At their freshest, therefore they'll be able to have the quickest paced match, they'll be able to do the more crazy moves, the wear and tear of an intense, and this is an intense period of time for New Japan wrestlers, Uh, will that be a factor going forward, or are they in their reserves at this point, and saving the better stuff as it goes along to the end when they're in the Budokan Hall, which will be hosting the final three nights of the G1 Climax this year? 
It's an interesting one because there's arguments for both, obviously, going into the match. And what it seems like is Kenny's just loving, as you as you quite rightly put, Lorcan, loving life. Great little bit of uh, pre-bow shithousery uh, from Kenny with his uh, checking his fake watch as Naito's taking off his suit. Well, that's Naito being Naito. Yeah, but obviously, like Kenny's responding to that. You know, he's not he's not just focused. He's just like, oh, oh, check out uh, Johnny Freepiece over here. Mm. But you get where I'm coming from. Like when we were what well, the Kenny Omega we saw against Okada two months earlier was all business, all focus, no yeah. messing about really. Um, whereas this, uh, you know, he only had Ibushi by his side. Now he's. The Bullet Club is restructuring and rebuilding. There's now this satellite firing squad gang going on, but he has Kota, he has the Young Bucks, he has a weird relationship with Cody at this point. They've sort of settled their differences a little bit in their match, and Cody didn't attack um, Kenny in the post-match that saw the creation of the firing squad, but, you know. So, Kenny's definitely full of beans at this point. He's got everything that he's wanted for the last All two years. All his ducks are in a row, aren't yeah. they? He's loving life, as you say. Um, and he's even though he's the champion, and that should with it uh, carries its own pressures, yeah. for the fact he's beaten his, like, he's killed his white whale, mm. uh, and for the fact that the title's not on the line uh, in G1 matches... And he, he doesn't have a battered body like Okada had coming into the previous G1, having been the champion for like over a year at that stage. Yeah. He's, in, he's just enjoying the fruits of his labour. So he's chilly. What I will say about this match, one of the one of the fun things we're going to have actually for this mini run that you were saying, one of the things that's got you excited is the fact that the G1 Climax matches until the final of 30-minute time limits. Yeah. So these are a little bit, you know, this is only one page worth of notes, which is very much not usually the case with uh, my notes for a Kenny Omega match in particular. Um, This is, to me, the weakest of the three Omega Naito matches we've covered, and I think they would probably admit that, and they probably didn't go in to this match intending to top themselves because it's not a block final. It's not a final. Yeah. It's a main event of an opening few shows that are not, you know, the arena itself, I can't remember where they are, but it's not like a... It's not an impressive looking arena at all. No, I don't want to like slag a, it off. It's a fine function arena of like maybe three or four thousand people there. Yeah, and so they're going to put on a show for a three to four thousand seat arena, which yeah. is you know. So that's what surprised me. I feel like this is maybe the start. Really, another one of the indications of Meltzer's six star ratings have broken what it means to be a five star match. And okay. I do wonder if. 2000, if this happened in the 2014 G1 Climax or the 2015 G1 Climax, would Meltzer have thought it was a four and three quarter star match or a four and a half star match? Right. Because, you I know what, it's, it's expanded, it's got looser, much like your mum. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. Someone's been watching in between us on repeat all day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Actually, that is an indication of someone being less promiscuous because like all other body parts, it's a muscle and if you use it regularly, then it would tighten. So, you know. I don't know, maybe you're happier than this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is going to be hard to segue out of, so I'm going to break the fourth wall. I'm segueing now uh, to, to the match. 
<clears throat> Do you get where I'm coming from, though? I, I I enjoy this match, but also what I feel like this is. I feel a Cummings very... a poor choice of words considering what you've just talked this about. This is a very you know, it's no not November. I mean, I'm just you know coming towards the end of it at time of release, but you know, not necessarily coming to the end of it. Release, bit blue for the dads. <laughs> it's all blue at the moment. Oh, uh... gee, I see a doctor. <laughs> We live in a country with free healthcare. Use it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I can't go I can't go there with this problem again. They <laughs> you know, I've built a reputation. Um Oh, here comes Johnny Smurf Scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to your balls? I smurfed them. You smurfed them, I smurfed them. Does that mean uh, when that you means want... there's only one woman's around to touch it ever? <laughs> and when you want your uh, scrotum to make a decision, you change it from a white hat to a red hat. <laughs> I don't, I've never watched the Smurfs, so I can't really go any further <laughs> with the references. <clears throat> um, uh, I wish I had. I wish I could link Gargamel to a scrotum somehow, yeah, but I can't. She, he gargameled my. <laughs> oh any... God. I um, apologise for that. <laughs> what I say, I feel like this match is almost embodiment of the G1 Climax format at this stage, which is very specifically the, the end sequence. It's all about who hits that big final move. Yeah. Nearly every G1 Climax match is like that now when you watch them as they go along. Uh, that one person has one, extra, you know, one, they each take it in turns with their control. Maybe they'll tease a count out loss at one point, but then it becomes because they don't want people kicking out of too many crazy moves. It's more about who hits that big final move. Like I've got listed three big kickouts. Yeah. Uh, when Omega kicks out of the Gloria from Naito, uh, Naito kicks out of that package tombstone of Omega, and then when that's the J Driller, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, yeah. no. I've got I've got four to be fair. Then um. When we hit the finishing straight, when uh, uh, Omega turns the Destino attempt into essentially an, uh, the, a sit-out tombstone pile driver, Oof, That was nasty. And then he follows that up with the J-Driller, and they both get long two counts. But it's I not like, about the I key think... of, like, you know... Although, I... Naito does hit a Destino, but it's, again, one of those, like, his version of... Um, well, short he, hits two, he hits two Destinos, but one's a short, like, a... Like his version of a short Rainmaker, where he comes out of it by by reversing one of Omega's moves, and, and your I, and your sprinting a Destino. Yeah, but and like, your IWGP like how, um... champion is the kind of guy who can still have kick out of yeah. a Destino. Yeah. I, that's what you know. What you you obviously list list and say obviously that it's a bit formulated because it's um, who hits the big move rather than people surviving a series of big moves. I think that's one of the reasons I like the G1. It protects finishers. It makes moves mean something. Yeah. It's just nice to see that in... And I don't want to become old man yows at cloud here, uh, but in an age where people are like eating like eight curb stomps in a row, yeah. or people are kicking out of like code breakers, like being held in walls of Jericho's for minutes at a time. And let's be fair... Th- New Japan matches are as guilty of this as any of them, especially when it's like an IWGB heavyweight title match. Oh, yeah, definitely. The amount of uh, Rainmakers that Akada hit Omega with in their, like, uh, series of matches. Yeah. And like I say, Naito hits two Destinos in this match. What Not the full... Like how with 
You know, it's like how Okada has his definitive ripcord version of the Rainmaker. Yeah. So Naito has his arm ringer version of the Destino, where he does the arm ringer first and sets it up perfectly. Whereas the, with these ones, it's more an improvisational thing. It's like a snap Destino. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but uh, I do like, as I say, I I think it's the right thing to do. Um, I like to treat, treat the G1 sort of the same way as um, wrestlers treat the uh, Battle of Los Angeles, I say. It's like its own little isolated thing. Not as bad, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like... I don't know if it's an isolated thing, to be fair, because usually what happens in the G1 sets up all the next three to four months of stuff. Oh, no, what so I mean is... I, I mean in terms of the champions... There's yeah. significance because all the champions enter these matches, and whoever beats them who isn't a champion already, there's significance to yeah. that. So, no, no, like, no, 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 that's no. Usually, I don't mean in terms of... the heavyweight champion, that's usually setting up one or two title matches between then and, and Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Same I, thing I, Continental and the Never Champions. I oversimplified a tad there. I don't mean it in complete terms. I think in terms of just wrestling style. Mm. Um, it just it feels different to other matches we the big matches we see the rest of the year and obviously the matches we see in, in other promotions that's my point what is story the sporting line, context? it's actually really good a story it's a really really good storyline builder it's great yeah. like it, it's a it's like a massively cons, it's a consistent structure um to just build loads of branches off of and it's great that they've got it in place. And it's all this cross-interaction. Yeah, and again, that character dynamic between Omega and Naito that's been there in the previous two. And it is a different relationship to what Omega and o- Omega and Naito have individually to Okada and to Tanahashi. There's something very specific to Omega and Naito. It's the more vicious, nasty... Because they are the two heels, in theory, yeah. of that quartet. Or the ones that are the most heelish. And yet again, there is spitting going on in this match. And... <laughs> And getting into, you know, trying to get into each other's heads, like Naito twice fakes him out on a on a on a dive and does the Destino pose. Yeah. Um, but and then Kenny Omega will attack him, and Kenny Omega will make po- and, and even at the start of the match, when Omega comes up towards Naito with the Bullet Club pose, and Naito starts looking at his championship belt, and, and Omega showing that off as well and mocking. Uh, Naito, you know, he he does like a mock version of the Tranquilo, and then Naito does a mock version of the Bullet Club pose as well. Yeah, which I love as well. I just love the way Naito Naito's petulance comes across so so well in that little moment. Yeah, and they do things like a like I said, like a, a Omega pulls Naito up from the Tranquilo pose, and then just spits in his face. So then they do the sprint, and they do the drop. He does the drop down, and Naito just sort of slowly walks over his back. <laughs> and and does the bullet club pose again so it's like it's like that whole thing of naito again wanting to show that he doesn't care but he does care yeah and uh omega just showing that he, that sense of his superiority at this point has been proven i suppose yeah he's he's empirically the best he's he's again he's just loving life he in a sense again i won't call it tranquilo but he's assured mm. he's content yeah but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's. I think this is more like of a. Even though there is some of that character dynamic, I don't necessarily know that there's much of an intriguing story because, like you say, the story is more the tournament itself. So this is really the first few chapters of both of their narratives over the course of this tournament. One is that 
Naito is kind of not in the best position that he was compared to that time last year. He'd lost the IWGP Heavyweight Title, so he's you know he's he's not the the Intercontinental Champion anymore because he lost that to Jericho at Dominion. So he's not in the best situation. He thought he'd he thought he'd exorcised all of his demons leading up to the Wrestle Kingdom match, and that hadn't happened. Although there is a brilliant moment in at the end of that Wrestle Kingdom match when he's walking out, having lost. Yeah. And Gado gets the microphone and says, ah, you got your main event at, at last. I hope you enjoyed losing. And the last thing Naito did before he, he walked out of the arena was smile. Yeah. There was that sense of, again, it's like, ah, I made you care. <laughs> you know? I'm in your head now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like, like the, So um... now it's like um, uh, uh, Naito's back to, root, back to square one. Yeah, I mean um, there are there are little bits of storytelling that are like more, but they're more callbacks in this match more than like uh, a rich, rich like story that had built up through months yeah. of like preparation kind of thing. But again, yeah, you're right; they're coming in cold effectively yeah. for in tournament terms. So, like I said, it's kind of like how it's almost like how with the first Ricky Steamboat Ric Flair match in their trilogy that we covered, or well, all four of the trilogy. Yeah, it felt. It feels like this is the start of further stories to come for both of them. Like yeah. I said, so the story going into this and coming out of this match is that Omega's in at an all-time high, and Naito's kind of having to recalibrate himself. He still obviously wants revenge on Jericho, but he doesn't know if he's going to get it, and he also needs to get do all the things that he thought he'd done. He thought he'd done everything the first time to win the title, and even at the time of recording, we're coming towards maybe. This is like the start point of the end of that storyline. It's taken another year and a half to get there. Oh, God, what if he doesn't do it? If he doesn't do it, then I guess the story is that he's never meant to do it. And some people just don't always have that. You know, we're going to in our next episode, we're going to talk about one of those people. Um, But I don't have much left to say about this match. It's more just like each person has their trademark moves. They wrestle at a pace and an intensity that pretty much no other promotion can match. They do all the close falls to get the audience involved. It's almost like a like a Mad Libs match. Yeah. Rather than it is a unique specimen within itself like the first block final was and the, and the 2017 final felt. I mean, so there's a reverse next... Rana in it as well, obviously, yeah, which is your favourite move. Could, can't. We should have kept a tally, actually, of how many reverse Ranas there are from... From the El Samurai Koji Kanemoto match going forward, but that's hindsight. Yeah, I mean we're going to be comfortably in the fifty plus mark for now, anyway. It's just reversals and finishing sequences, and you're going to see a lot of those in these G1 matches this year. You saw some of them last year, and like so, this year we've got seven G1 climax matches Uh, for 2019. We have four, five, six. And then we have six G1 Climax matches. Ooh. Maybe more. I might need to revise this list, actually. I think it's slightly off. Um, So I'm not giving this one five stars. I think it's exceptionally good. But I think I do think that this is a post six stars, six and a half, six and a quarter, five and a half, seven stars. Now to be a five star is not the pinnacle anymore. And so, yeah, for for Meltzer, but for me, there's still I don't believe in going beyond five stars. So I, I, I I don't yeah, think I, it achieves that specialness for me to give it five stars. 
I do get where you're coming from. As if my five stars are more important and special than Meltzer, but that's just where yeah. I'm coming from, you know? Yeah. I my do get what you mean. interpretation of what five stars means to me. I do get what you mean in terms of, like, recalibration and such. What does I, mean to me? I, um... I am going to give this five stars. You've become a right tart these past few weeks. I really like the ebb and the flow that they put together, and it it really just... I, I loved it. I really did enjoy it, and it, it hooked me in. It made me care, which for a, which is a testament to it because oh. it's an because it's an opening tournament match for these two and you ha- as i say they have gone in cold in tournament terms yeah. to but work within those confines and still make it seem like it really matters is a real it's a testament to it i but think i'm not saying it didn't hook me in or didn't make me care it's just that's not all it takes for me to give it five stars you know no but i think that's what stands me out from like a, just a good technical wrestling match to a five-star match. I, I, it's that X factor I've talked about frequently. It, it is that intangible. It's that hook. It's that okay. this is what suspends disbelief for someone as like jaded and cynical as I am. Mm. So that was our G1 Climax and the Philosophers, or depending on where you're reading it, Sorcerer's Stone. Simon, what is going to be our G1 Climax and the Chamber of Secrets? Uh, well, I'm going to get in my battered Ford Anglia, uh, and I'm going to let you know that we're seeing uh, a newcomer to the series uh, taking on someone who's uh, starting to grow on me because of the series. Uh, no, it's I'm a sorry, rematch I'm... as well of the 2016 G1 Climax Final. Yes, uh, we are t- seeing, uh, let me tell you something, mainstay Kenny Omega take on the uh, new arrival of Hiroki Goto. It's also champ versus champ as the IWGB heavyweight champion takes on the never openweight champion. But neither title's on the line because this is the G1 Climax. Simon, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so as uh, they go along? They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm signing under Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the Number of minutes Kenny Omega was trying to make you believe it was taking Naito to take off his suit. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N at Zin, the end of Japan. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. You can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com and lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. And we have a Facebook page as well. Please subscribe to us on all the various places you can. And if you can, also give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get the the listeners up. Uh, It will bring us to more people's attention somehow. It involves maths. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, there's nothing left for me to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until next time. Sky, cause you're a sky